This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM. This is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. September is Healthy Aging Month, and our panel discussion is focused on seniors. Philly has an active senior community and a great organization to help with resources. I check in with Naja Orr, who heads up the Philadelphia Corporation for the Aging. Sharaday Howard has this week's Newsmaker. In order for me to help people move through their discomfort, they have to see it. Sabrina Boyd-Serka is in for Antoinette Lee and has our Philly Rising Changemaker, who was a participant in Drexel University's Good Food Accelerator program. The vision is actually to unite the cultures. It's all coming up on Bridging Philly. Welcome to Bridging Philly. September is Healthy Aging Month, and it's pretty much recognized as a time to celebrate life and all the positive aspects of growing older. There are several things that we can do to take care of ourselves as we age, such as eating well, exercising, and trying to live a life with the least amount of stress as possible. But aging, of course, is a part of life. And for those who have to take care of someone who is aging, the change in their lives can be challenging. Kyle Ruffin is an author. She's from Haynesport, New Jersey. She wrote a book entitled In Strokes Shadow, My Caregiver Story. Now, this book really points to what caregivers go through and sacrifice when they take care of a loved one. It also talks about the struggles and the guilt that some caregivers encounter as their own personal lives are disrupted. Caregivers need support. They also need resources and advocacy, and sometimes they need a break. Kyle Ruffin wrote this book after her mother passed away in 2013. It's a bit of therapy for her, and it encapsulizes the three years she spent taking care of her mother before her passing. Kyle, welcome to Bridging Philly. Now, tell me what things were life in your life when your mother had her first stroke. Well, the day she had that first stroke, I was on my way to a meeting. I had just started my own business and things were going well. And I was in the car and my cousin called me and said, "Uh, your mother doesn't sound uh, like she's doing okay. I kind of challenged her like, what do you mean? Like, she's fine. Uh, She's like, no, I think you need to get over there. And I went to my mother's house and she was sitting on the edge of the bed, just repeating her, like over and over the same words. And I asked her if she wanted to go to the hospital. She said, okay. 
which she never, ever wanted to go to the hospital. Like she was one of those people who hadn't been to a doctor in probably 20 years, maybe longer. So uh, that was the moment my life changed. Within 24 hours, she was completely paralyzed on her right side. She had aphasia, which is a condition where you cannot uh, say the words that you think uh, you want to come out of your mouth. You uh, basically can't communicate. So within the space of 24 hours, I became completely responsible for her life. And that realization, uh, in some ways, you're kind of numb. You're, I think you're in shock. You just do what you got to do. But when I think back on it and I realize the weight of those things, it was a lot. Yeah, I bet it was. And as we said before, this came out of nowhere. And you said within 24 hours, you were completely responsible for your mother's life. Now that in itself can be life-changing. What are some of the things you had to give up and how did it affect your life? Well, because I had just started my business, um, I had an entire kind of plan. And so I had to pull back a lot of that. And I mostly what I stopped doing was promoting my own business because I didn't have the time. I had to figure out where I could cut back. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the hospital. I sacrificed time with my husband. I was lucky that I had the flexibility of having my own business because during that, that, that three years, there were times when she had to go to physical therapy in the middle of the day. So I would have to drop everything, go pick her up, get a stroke survivor into a car um, and then into therapy, uh, wait out therapy and then get her back home. And, you know, that was that was a big chunk out of the middle of my day. So there were lots of days that if I had a job that I had to clock in every day at a certain time and clock out, there was no way I would have been able to be there for her the way I needed to be there for her as a result of the stroke. Caregivers are, demands are 24-7. And if you don't have a job that has that kind of flexibility, it's very difficult to, to be there in the way that, you know, you feel like you should be there and that you're needed the way you're needed. So Cal, what is it that you want people to know and understand about caregivers? Now, obviously this was quite an experience as you felt you needed to put it all into a book. So what is it that you want people to come away with after they read this book and kind of put themselves in your shoes? Well, I, I really wrote the book for caregivers themselves. And what I want them to understand is that you know, they've taken on quite a, uh, a responsibility and it is not easy and it is okay to even admit that it's not easy. Oftentimes caregivers suffer in silence because the person they're caring for, they view as, a, as the, the ultimate priority and they don't uh, recognize that they themselves need to take care of themselves they need to admit to themselves when they, when you, know, you just get angry sometimes at the person you're caring for. And, it, and it's normal. And the best thing to do is to you know, find those outlets, find those caregiver support groups, those places where you can be honest about your feelings and, and let go of some of the stress and strain 
of, of being a caregiver. It's difficult, but if you don't recognize it, you won't do anything about it. This is my story. This is me and my, my feelings around what I was going through and how I, you know, stepping back years later, was able to process some of what I was going through and how I survived it. Kyle Ruffin, author of the book, In Strokes Shadow, My Caregiver Story. Thank you so much for sharing your story and joining us for Bridging Philly. Well, Philadelphia's aging community is a bright and lively bunch, and they have a lot of help from the city, including the Philadelphia Corporation for the Aging. PCA's mission is to improve the quality of life for older Philadelphians and people with disabilities. They join us now. With me today is PCA President and CEO, Naja Orr. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, of course, aging is a part of life, and if we're all lucky, we'll get a chance to experience it. And as we age, Nadja, our needs do change, be it health, financial, um, emotional. The support structure actually changes a bit. And from what I understand, PCA has lots of resources to guide everyone through, correct? We do. We do. Absolutely. Uh, We are uh, one of 52 area agencies on aging in the state of Pennsylvania, and we receive our resources from federal and state uh, offices, our federal office administration for community living. And I'd say we generally uh, provide services one of three different paths. That first path I'll say is supporting older adults that wanna stay connected to their community. That would be programs like uh, senior centers, uh, health and wellness programs, senior employment opportunities, volunteerism, and a host of other programs like that. Then there's the middle path and that's making sure that we're doing our part to ensure people can live safe in their community as long as possible. And that's where our care managers will go into the home and complete very comprehensive assessments to tailor care plans to meet individuals specific and holistic needs. So, and then there's that last path, which is advocacy and protection. And that's where our staff will support people through uh, investigating elder abuse through our Older Adult Protective Services Unit to make sure people live free from abuse, neglect, financial exploitation and abandonment. And then also finally, I'll mention the uh, legal services that we assist people with. Uh, If they have questions regarding legal counseling, then we surely connect them with resources. So we have a host of programs that support people in the community. Um, Each fiscal year, we generally serve about 140,000 older adults in the city of Philadelphia annually. You know, I'm thinking of all those services that you offer for the aging, and I'm thinking that it's probably a little difficult for for people to come to terms with the fact that they might need help, especially help with things that they've been able to deal with and handle on their own for most of their lives. That is true. But once again, you know, we want to make sure people know that we are a resource for them. In many instances, we work with the consumer, uh, their caregiver, their family, uh, oftentimes their neighbors, to really just make sure that their unmet needs are are being uh, met with the supports that we could probably help them with in the community. How can people contact you if they'd like more information? On our website at PCACares.org. Nadja Orr, President and CEO of Philadelphia Corporation for the Aging. Thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Shara Day Howard sits down with our newsmaker of the week. Philly native Nikki Powerhouse is a creative force that speaks to the best of the human spirit. A poet, a playwright, and an activist. She's the director of I Am Powerhouse LLC, providing art-based performances, workshops, and not to mention, she's a motivational speaker. In 2018, Nikki received the Leeway Foundation Art and Change Grant for her one-woman show, The Art of I Am. And next, she's releasing a new book of her poetry entitled The Softest Part of Her is Everything. Because Nikki believes art should engage and transform the creator as well as the audience. So we had a point-to-point conversation on her stoop in West Philly to talk everything Juneteenth and Philly poetry. Welcome to Bridging Philly, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. Nikki Powerhouse, how would you describe what you do? I would say it is, it's an exchange of energy. I'm very present to who I am and what my gift is embodying responsibility. I'm giving the abundance, the infinite, the the joy, the peace. So all the energy, even in difficult, the pain, I think that in order for me to help people move through their discomfort, they have to see it. They have to see what that looks like and be able to hold both the pain and the power, the joy and the discomfort. So do you hold up a mirror or a magnifying glass? A mirror. Because the the mirror, we are our reflection. And who I see in me, I see in my audience. It is the awakening to that which I've discovered within me that my work wants and desires to awake in them. So it's what they inspire from me is really the spark that's sparking in them. People of almost any and every background, they see something of themselves in you. Yes, yes. I think, you know, people, once I started to get more and more into my work, I speak to the human spirit. So let's talk about your work. I loved I Am, and I watched you across the stage like your living room, it was your Philadelphia street, it was your life, and you were sharing it openly. Why was that so important to you? It's the journey that I'm on and that we all are on. All of the journey is worth it. And who I am now is coupled with everything that has come before me. So describe I Am. The Art of I Am is this one woman stage play that I bravely courageously open myself up to sharing the journey of how you get to a place of true wholeness, true authenticness, place of uh, creating the, the world that you see within yourself, that you see for yourself, and truly walking in that. What I've discovered with I Am beyond the performance is that I Am is a constant engagement with the self. So it's not just what you say about yourself is what you become. And in that becoming, you realize that you were that and more all along. So is that what people are connecting to when they watch you? That's exactly what they're connecting to. So, you know, when people say, oh my God, you almost made me cry, or you, you just 
bring so much out of me. There were times where I used to think, like, well, what do you mean almost made you cry? Like, if the tears is there, let them go. <laughs> but I realized that people are on their own process, and their break may have been the first ever. So for them, that's big. That's vulnerability is Vulnerability is everything. It's the beauty of, of the vulnerability that I've discovered that it's what you think of yourself in how you feel. That sometimes we put ourselves even more deeper in the discomfort because we're thinking, we're judging it rather than allowing it. We're building it already. Yeah. So why be surprised when it shows up? Yeah. Most importantly with the art of I am, what I have discovered is that self-discovery is a gift. And that when you do discover the things, the nuances in your life, you get to like see, see how dope you are. Let's get a little bit of this dopeness. Just give me a little bit, the part that speaks to what we were just talking about. In the beginning where time had no meaning, we were the sum of galaxies and God's breath. Infinity orbited the earth and created itself into an umbilical cord. So all of human life would embody her DNA. We are limitless. Now let's talk about that limitlessness. I see you and I see absolutely no limitations, no ceilings. As women of color, as LGBTQ folks, we got a lot of walls. We got a lot of ceilings and roofs. What does it take to push through that? pushing through it, it takes a choice and it takes work. And in the work, you remind yourself along it that you are deserving of it. I'm having a moment because it's, 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 it's a constant engagement with yourself. The world around us, whether it's family, friends, or otherwise, have along the journey have once or twice or many times marked us failures and we believe them. When you start to reconnect back to the truth of who you are, it's not about to challenge them, but it's to challenge you to keep breathing that which you've discovered, breathing that limitlessness, breathing that in everything that you do. And you get to give yourself the permission to have a vision bigger than circumstance, bigger than police brutality, bigger than all of it, because in my process, I have embodied and allowed myself to hold the breaking and the breakthrough, knowing that I am awaiting myself on the other side. Yeah. We're in Juneteenth, we're in Pride Month, all the things that are oh. happening right now, and you've got stuff going on. Tell us what you got going on. And listen, listen. Um, Juneteenth, it's on Father's Day. In my book, The Softest Part of Her is Everything, I have a poem dedicated for my father. Can you give us a little bit? Yes. I forgive you for all the times your absence felt like cutting knives and I created a story of not being good enough to be loved or protected. You may rest now. Daddy, I love you. And I did that because I think that's another layer to freedom and that's forgiveness. And not only the forgiveness of the person that we are forgiving, but forgiving ourselves for creating the story. Letting that be a stepping stone. Being a stepping stone. And once I wrote that piece, it literally, like, I just really opened up to so many things. It freed you. 
It freed me in everything because I realized that it wasn't about just relationships and how I interacted with other people, but how I interacted with myself that kept me holding back and not sharing my gifts, not showing up, not creating fearful experience, things that would make me scared as hell, but I would do it anyway. I did a doom day uh, uh, this past Sunday, and it was the platform in which I found that it wasn't just my performance, it was beyond the performance. It was being on that stage and my spirit and that ancestor, and that energy reminding me this is not just for the people you see, but it's also for the people you don't see. Because you're not going to see everybody. And the, that is good. That's okay. You let all that gift reach those 500,000 people in that area with the intention. And so being in that space just was just affirming spiritually, creatively, add like my family and my friends were there. Just like, you know, you haven't seen them in two years and this was huge because we haven't been together in two years. So it was really, really, really good. And I know that the gay pride parade, all the things that's happening and everything, but I was in my full body. I was, I was a bisexual woman at Odun Day, Black, spiritual, open, fluid, free, and the dress proved it. <laughs> you gotta show me this dress. <laughs> the dress proved it, honey. The dress was is was clear that she's here. She's here to slay. Yeah, she's here to slay, and no one can stop her. No one. And then yeah. Juneteenth shows Ju up. Juneteenth come up, and then I'm like, oh, and it's on Father's Day. Oh, that's in the book. Oh, this is everything because that's another layer of freedom is the forgiveness to connect it to our freedom it's like forgiving and, and and that being a part of it just just because it's necessary so embodying that forgiveness i believe that what people see in me i want them to see in themselves and see me as a mirror there is no separation what I do and how I do it because, and sometimes, you know, I have a dance with my ancestors with the spirit, and sometimes it's like, just let me be a vessel. If not all the time, I'm, I'm just a vessel. And more importantly, just be authentic to yourself. Be kind to yourself. You know, they say your gift will make room for you. Everything else is like a lotus flower, like it's blooming out of nowhere. And all I'm saying is yes. The softest part of her is everything. Tell me about your book. This is truly performance in words, meaning that The Art of I Am was a stage play. This is written in the book. And I discovered it during the pandemic. And I titled it The Softest Part of Her is Everything is because I've learned that every aspect of me my love, my sensuality, my sexuality, my pleasure, my desires, my, my joy, my peace, all of that is necessary for my day-to-day -day waking up and just doing it again and being excited and knowing. And it's really interesting when I tell people the title, you know, women are like, oh my God. And it's, you could feel it. And that was the intention is that that was my way of helping women, more importantly, to be able to feel their feelings 
deeply and authentically and honestly and without anything around it but just being and in feeling their feelings they live their authentic truth making it visceral makes it accessible that exactly because i think when people able to hold it the intention is that the book as they go through the journey that they become the soft heart of themselves and embrace it and embrace it thank you so much for being here thank you for having me yes <laughs> philly rising changemaker is sponsored by penn medicine heart and vascular center performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region i'm sabrina boyd circa in for antoinette lee with this week's philly rising changemaker Food is a huge piece of cultural identity. It can remind you of home, celebrate your ancestry, or teach you about a different culture. That's why Arthur Brown, owner of Authentic Ethnic Cuisine, thinks it's important to share food from the African diaspora with the community here in Philadelphia. Growing up in America, I had the opportunity to eat the traditional food at home. I ate soul food at a young age. I started noticing that these foods were similar so once I actually started cooking, so I figured, I started saying, wait a second, if we put these items together and present it to the greater public, it's like unite the culture, but also the generations to come. The vision is actually to unite the cultures. Brown had mostly been doing catering with authentic ethnic cuisine until he teamed up with Drexel University's Food Lab through their Good Food Accelerator program, working with students and professors to develop a recipe that he could sell as a product. Through COVID, I realized that I had to have a product. So I saw an application the city put out for a grant. Something said, just put it out, you know, and I articulated exactly what I told you about the cuisine. So I worked with them to actually provide a jollof rice product that's ready for the show. The Good Food Accelerator worked with small local businesses to bring good food products to market, keeping nutrition in mind and supporting communities most negatively impacted by inequities in the food system. The goal was to help businesses like Authentic Ethnic Cuisine get off the ground and take the next step. In this case, getting a product to the point where it could be sold in stores. Brown says his dream is to get more West African products into homes, bringing the food to the people where they are. We have to have products. I have to be able to bring West African products to your house without you having to go to a West African restaurant or have someone that knows how to make it. So with Jell-O Price, unless you go to a West African restaurant or know someone, you can't have it. So that is where the challenge is. If we can bring the products where it's accessible to the customer to bring it home, make it themselves, then naturally it'll become more popular. If you want to get some of that soul food yourself or just follow what Arthur Brown is doing, you can find Authentic Ethnic Cuisine on Facebook or Instagram. Or you can email AuthenticEthnicCuisine at gmail.com. And if you know someone who's making a difference in your community, send us their name at kywnewsradio.com slash phillyrising. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharade Howard, Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and our producer, Arian Fulcher, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>